Hey, everybody, so excited we get to be together, and praise God that um, during this season, we can be in uh, connection together, we can grow together in our love for God and our love for one another, and and most of all, uh, we want to talk about having a great, great love for God's Word. Um, so what I want to talk to you about right now uh, is how you can get the most out of this time. And so the way you can get the most out of this time is this, uh, you need to have a Bible. Uh, you got to have a Bible, some way, shape, or form, be able to follow along. So we read the scriptures together and let those guide us because that's the truth that Jesus brings to us and his truth will set you free. Uh, so in, here's the idea. The word of God, uh, listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 3, uh, or sorry, um, Hebrews 4 verse 12. So Hebrews 4 12 uh, is where I'm going to go. And I want you to listen to this. It says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So uh, by the way, turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2, and I'm going to show you a scripture. But while you're turning there, the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Uh, and it goes on to say, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare in the eyes of him, meaning God, with whom we have to do. So the word of God is an, a sword uh, and it can cut deep, but it's always true. It's always true. There's incredible evidence that the Bible is true. Archaeologically, scientifically, historically, um, prophetically, uh, and God over and over and over has proven how true it is to us. So we have evidence for our faith that way. So I want you to know we have solid evidence to trust the Bible, and we need to have that as the foundation of our relationship with God and the guiding factor in our life. And so you need to take that sharp sword and, and, and get into it. So I I want you to have a Bible somehow uh, to be with me. The other thing I want to tell you, though, is this. Just like if I had a sharp sword and I'm around people, uh, I've got to be careful I could hurt somebody. Uh, same with the knife. Uh, I have these really sharp knives at our house. Uh, I love them. I love them. But whenever I pick it up, I, in my head, I think, I don't want to turn around too fast. I don't want to not know where it's going. Uh, because what if one of my grandkids ran up suddenly? What if my, I turned around and Pam was there? I don't want to accidentally stab and ca cause harm. That would be a misuse of this very sharp blade. The word of God needs to be handled correctly. It needs to be handled accurately. So as we dig into these questions, I always want to point you to the word. And so I want you reading the word with me so you can you can be a part of you and I together handling the word in an accurate, correct way, always taking it in context. Uh, and that's a big deal. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2, I asked you to be there, 2 verse 15. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Listen to this last part. Accurately handling the word of truth. So there's a, you can handle it accurately or, and lots of people do this, they handle it inaccurately. So we're going to look to try to make sure we do everything we can to let the word of God speak for itself, teach us, not try to insert our opinions in or our preconceived notions. And um, I've been a Christian a long time and I'm still learning. Uh, and I want you to, to be on a quest with me to still learn from God's word as the Holy Spirit leads you. So it goes on to say, but avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further, further godlessness. Um, 
uh, ungodliness. And, and here's the thing that's so interesting to me. Uh, I think right now there's a lot of worldly and empty chatter out there. I mean, there's a lot of things being said that's like crazy. And uh, I, I, every, sometimes I hear it and I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Uh, my wife the other night said, oh, you got to watch this video that's floating around because everybody's watching it. And I'm like, I, I, I just, I can't even bring myself to, here's why, because it doesn't have a valid source of authority behind it, at least so we can see. And it's worldly chatter. It's empty chatter. Why not just go to the Bible? Why not let the Bible guide you? I'm not saying we can't learn from other things, but make sure everything you do is tied back to Scripture and tied back to what God's Word says and make sure we're handling it correctly. So we need to handle, it, handle the Word accurately, which means uh, you have to take it in context. Now, I'm going to get to your questions, but I want to give this background. You got to take the word in context. You don't want to take it, we talk about all the time, out of context. Uh, so I don't know if you heard about the guy who uh, was just the way he went through the Bibles. He had a paper Bible and he'd flip it open and point. And whatever it said, he said, that's what I'll do. So one day he flipped it over and pointed. And it said in Matthew 27, 5, Judas went out and hanged himself. And he thought, okay, I'm not going to do that. So he shut it and let it fly open. And he pointed now in Luke 10, verse 37. And it said, you go and do likewise. And he thought, uh-oh. <laughs> so he shut it again and thought, that can't be what I'm going to do. And opened it again. And John 13, 27 came up and said, and whatever you do, do quickly. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, I've heard that joke. I don't know how many years. I always love it. I always love it. But I think there's some real truth to not just taking things out of context and not understanding how to handle God's word accurately. So let me give you three keys before we dive into some questions that will help you understand God's word better. Uh, it's three rules of approaching scripture, of studying scripture. Number one, who is he talking to or who is being talked to? Who is God addressing or who is being talked to by someone else in, in that setting? So you want to know the who. Number two, what is he saying to them? What is he saying to them? And, and then the last one is, what does it mean to me? Too many times people start with, what does it mean to me? That doesn't work because you need to know who he's talking to, what he's saying to them, and what does that mean to me? And so uh, we're going to follow that as we go through our time together. And tonight we'll see how many questions we get to. Uh, but we have one big one that has been asked now three weeks in a row we are going to get to. Uh, I, and I haven't been ducking it. It's just it's time now to deal with it. Uh, so we're going to go to the big one. Before we go to the big one, let's go to uh, one that I think that it would be fun to think about and talk about. So uh, Nalita, Nalita Castaneda, I hope I said that right, ask, why do we worship on Sundays instead of Sabbath if we are able to worship on Saturday. So why do we worship on Sunday instead of on the Sabbath? Now, the Sabbath technically is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So uh, the Jewish calendar, the Sabbath, and all other days of the week uh, uh, began at sundown for the next day. And so the Sabbath was Friday sundown, which would make that the last day of the week, till Saturday sundown, which began the first day of the week. So why do we not do our worship, have our worship on the Sabbath? Well, there's two things I want to tell you that I think will help. Number one, when Jesus died and rose again, he did so on a Sunday. And the early church began to worship on Sunday in honor of Jesus rising from the dead and freeing us from the law. 
Uh, We know that in a few places in the Bible, but one would be in Acts 20, verse 7, where it says this, On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, which he's talking about, take communion together, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. So uh, Acts 20, verse 7 is the verse. Acts 20, verse 7 is the one I want you to be in. And it says, on the first day of the week, uh, they gathered together uh, to have communion together and to have Paul teach with them. Uh, and, And notice it says on the first day of the week when we gathered. It had become the custom of the church that early to use Sunday as the day they would gather together to worship the Lord. And so uh, that's what they would do. By the way, turn to Romans 14 now. Turn to Romans 14. So uh, I can share a part, an, another scripture to help us on this. But, but this is so interesting because it says that Paul, on the first day of the week, a Sunday, gathered with them to worship together, uh, to take communion together, and to preach. And he preached from uh, sometime in the day all the way till midnight. And then a guy named Eutychus fell asleep and he was so tired, he fell asleep in that sermon and he fell out the window and and died. And they all ran down to him and Paul raised him from the dead and they went up and Paul finished his sermon. I know. I just think it's the coolest story ever, right here in Acts chapter 20. Uh, So I, I wanted you to be aware of that. But now let's go to Romans. And in Romans, what is being addressed in chapter 14 is how we should not judge one another. Uh, Some people will choose to honor God one way. Some will choose to honor God another. But each one is to do what they're fully convinced to do in their own mind. And they're all fine. And so Paul is going to choose Sabbath as one of those things that he points to. And so uh, what we need to know is that he's going to talk about that right here. So he says... uh, In verse 4, Romans 14, 4, Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Then listen to this. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not uh, for the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives thanks to God. Uh, for one, uh, not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we're the Lord's. So Paul says this. He says, you know what? Let's don't judge each other. Let's don't attack each other over choices you make to honor God. He said, one person chooses one day above another, the Sabbath. They say, you know what? The Sabbath, we're to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's what it says in the Ten Commandments. So that's the one day they choose and look to. And then Paul says, but other people choose every day to look to, that every day belongs to God. So for instance, at our church, we believe we can worship on Wednesday, we could worship on Saturday, and we can worship on Sunday, because uh, every day is God's, and we can just rejoice in God, and, and the Bible is our source of authority. Now catch that. The Bible is what tells us that we can choose every day to honor God, but it comes down to this one principle. Uh, uh, Not one of us lives for himself and not one of us dies for himself. So what you and I need to do is pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, I I feel like I could honor you best by, uh, you know what, Uh, gathering on the first day of the week like the early church did or choosing to have a Sabbath, which by the way, Pam and I don't do that every week, but we do at times choose a Sabbath experience with God. And most of the time, almost all the time, we do it Friday sundown 
to Saturday sundown. And, and we honor the Lord by taking rest and worshiping him and being together. And uh, when we do that, it's a very special thing. When we worship on Sunday uh, with our Crossroads family on campus online, it's a super special thing. When Wednesday comes around, I'm dying for Wednesday so we can worship God together. And I'm fully convinced in my own mind that Jesus is with me every single time and I'm with him and so is our church family. So here's the cool thing. In Christ, we have freedom. You can be free. Uh, you can be free to, to choose to honor him in certain different ways. Uh, and then whenever you do, if your heart's right and you're not in bondage and you're not judging others, this is a big deal. If I began to be judgmental against people who keep the Sabbath, then no, it doesn't matter what day I worship on, I would be in the wrong. Uh, but I want to be able to, to love other Christians and, and have unity with other Christians. And some want to have a worship one way and some another. Uh, some like one style of worship music, some like another. Uh, and you know what? As long as we're not judging one another and we're doing it to honor God, you know what the Lord says? Oh, I love that. The Lord loves it because your heart's right. Your heart's right. Uh, don't ever forget this, though. Everything we do is about Jesus. None of us lives for himself. None of us dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So everything should be about Jesus, not about us. And uh, that's one of the things I want you to think about and, and make sure you hold on to. So good, good question, because a lot of times people wonder about that. Uh, by the way, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, there's another answer uh, that I'm not going to go ahead and dig into, but some of you might want to jot this down, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul tells us that we are to go by the principle or, uh, of the law or the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. So that, that's important because he said the letter kills. When you start making about the letter of the law, it kills relationships, but with you and God and you and others, and it can kill relationship, uh, 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 you know, that you're supposed to be having with other people. So I said you and God and others, but it just kills, it kills, it kills. And, and, and he says, but you know what? The principle sets us free. So the Sabbath is a day we honor God. The principle of the Sabbath, though, can be used every day of the week. So that might help you too. So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I love that. Uh, number two question. Was that number? Wow, I took a long time to get there, huh? All right, number two. Selena on Church Online said this. How do I know if God is helping me? How can I deal with anxiety and depression over friends? Uh, and then she said some friends that I think have, have hurt her. How can I deal with anxiety and depression over friends? that have hurt you, that have hurt you. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a really good thing to, to look at. And so let me uh, have you right now, everybody turn um, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, we, in the Keeping It Real series, will be getting here pretty soon. But, but I don't want you to miss this. Uh, and, and so this is a really powerful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to be in verse 6. So I hope you can turn there and get to that passage, 2 Corinthians 7, 6, and actually 7. We'll look at both of those. So anxiety and depression are feelings we can have for a moment, or they can be uh, emotions that take over our lives. Uh, they can dominate us. Uh, sometimes they are, and many times they are, they're tied to a disappointment of some kind. And it is possible, Selena, you know, that you really cared for people and believed in them and, and you feel like they've let you down and they've disappointed you. And, uh, so how would you handle that? How would anybody handle that when you feel that that's happened with someone you care about? And I want to start here in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6. It says, but God who comforts the depressed... 
God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. Now, I want to, before I go into the next verse, not have you miss what I just said. God doesn't condemn the depressed. God doesn't attack the depressed. God doesn't give up on the depressed. He comforts. He cares. He brings an answer. And, and the first part of the answer God brings is his own love and his, the Holy Spirit to come and try to lift you up and give you strength and help you get through. Um, by the way, uh, one of the things that I know that never, ever helps someone who's depressed is someone just saying, get over it. Because if you could just get over it, you get over it. Nobody chooses it. But when it comes, and, and then when it's coupled with anxiety, which it can, it can be really, really hard. So the first thing we need is to get in touch with God, get in connection with God, and know that he loves you. Know that he's for you. Know that he has a plan. Know that he has a way to bring you through this and, and ha- cause his purpose to be done, his will to be done in your life. So I would say the first step is get as close to God as possible. By the way, lots of people who, who suffer with depression, they are close to God. Because you know why? The Bible says that God is close to those who are brokenhearted. And so God will be with you in that moment. So God's not running from you. So I'm not saying if you're depressed that you don't love God or God doesn't love you. I'm saying the beginning of getting through and out is just keep staying close to him. Open up to him. Let him love you. Then notice what God did in Paul's case. It says in verse six, look at that again with me. But God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. So God wanted to help Paul get through this. And so he gave Paul direct comfort, but he also, he also sent Titus to come be alongside him. So Selena, my question for you or anyone else out there that is struggling with anxiety or depression, who's your Titus? Titus was someone Paul loved. Titus was someone that Paul trusted. Uh, he didn't even know where he was, and that was part of his anxiety. Uh, he didn't know if he was okay. And God God divinely brought about Titus in the moment and time he was needed. And, and so is, is there somebody God's trying to bring into your life to be that friend, to be the one who shows care? You need a Titus. You need a friend. You need somebody you can trust. And, and I don't want you to give up on people. If you've been hurt by people, number one, don't get bitter. Don't ever get bitter. It be forgiving. The Bible's clear that we need to forgive. Uh, Ephesians uh, uh, tells us this, that we should be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So forgive your friends, because hanging on to that won't ever get you through. And then... Start saying, I need, a, I need that friend. Uh, and I think the church is the blessed, best place to find them. A life group's a great place to find them. Uh, and uh, so if you need help getting in a life group, you can do that. And, um, and, and we have a way for you to do that. I think you text group, or it's group, you text group to 69922, and we can help you get into a life group. But you gotta have a Titus, you gotta have a friend. By the way, everybody out there, you need somebody you're in connection with. Uh, and the church wants to be a place where we help show value to you and love to you. And notice what it goes on to say in verse seven. So now it says, God comforts the oppressed in verse six, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And then it says, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. So I rejoiced even more. So Paul said, I was depressed 
and God comforted me. I was depressed and God comforted me even more by the coming of Titus. And then what Titus came and told me was you guys love me. You guys mourn for the pain I've been through. You actually care. You've cried tears with me. He said, you know what? You long to see me. Uh, you want to be with me. And, and so what happened then is, is Paul said, I have the Lord, I have a friend, and I have a church. And those three things were keys to getting him to a place where the depression was left behind and he was able to leave the anxiety behind and he was able to rise up and overcome. He always knew it would happen. He never gave up the hope. But uh, we all need that. So, you know, we need God. Uh, we need, we need, desperately need friends uh, and people we can talk with and share with. Uh, and then the third is we need our church family and we need to be very connected. So uh, I know, by the way, that helps. I also know it, 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 it's a journey. You can't expect it's going to happen like this, but you can begin to go on that journey. And lots of people have and lots of people have gotten free. Uh, so uh, I want you to know that. I also want you to know that, man, love your friends no matter what. Uh, maybe tonight you even need to find a way to, to write a letter and say, or, or send a text, a letter that dates me. <laughs> uh, that's a piece of paper and a pen. I don't know if anybody knows. Uh, and, or a text or, or, or you know what else, uh, email and, and say, hey, I just want you to know, I, 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 sorry I've ever held anything against you. I love you. And and I just want to get past it and, and, and do that. Um, just recently, I was able to be with someone on a journey, and, and they reached out to someone that hurt them. And they were, they were concerned. They had a lot of anxiety about the reaching out. They had anxiety because of the pain. But man, they were afraid to make that, that reach out, that, that ask. And they were so shocked because they, uh, they forgave them right away. And they said, you know what? We want to get through this. Um, I'm remembering another uh, uh, woman who was a part of our Crossroads family, and I challenged, if you have anybody right now that you've cut out of your life and, and they're a tombstone in your backyard, go and try to resurrect that. And uh, so her, it was, for her, it was her mom and her sister. And the Holy Spirit the whole time was speaking to her. And she thought, I've got to do it, I've got to do it. And I challenged her to do it as soon as possible. So she got in her car and she's crying and she prayed and she's scared. And she, she's told me later, she said, she thought, I'm just going to drive and I'm going to drive. And as she turned to go down the street, everything inside her said, go, you can't do this. She was just freaking out. And she got right in front of her mom's house as her mom and sister opened the door and stepped out and made eye contact with her. So now she couldn't get away. And she pulled over and she opened the door and stood up as she got out and her mom screamed, listen, it's you, it's you. And her and her sister ran to her. Um, and she said, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I did what I did. I don't know why I pushed them away. And uh, by the way, praise God, the family was healed and she felt God moving. And, and that's always God's desire. You know, God wants us to be peacemakers and peacemakers are called the children of God. And uh, so that's one of the things we need to do. So uh, great, great question there and, and love that you asked that one. All right, so now we're going to go to the big one. Ready? Uh, this is the one that uh, we get asked all the time. And, and I actually love answering this, but I'm going to have to have you put on uh, kind of your thinking caps for this one. Get ready, guys. Uh, is once saved, always saved. What about that? Uh, how, how do we approach that particular subject of once saved, always saved? Um, and so what I do want you to do is turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. This is one, if you don't follow along with me, uh, I think you may get lost. So we're going to go deep. 
Uh, this is this is real uh, 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 digging into the scripture. This is the meat of the word, we call it. So I want you in Hebrews chapter 6 to start, and I'll try to slow down and, and make sure you could be able to get there. So if you can get there with me. While we go there, here's the question I want to uh, kind of bring out. Uh, is it possible for someone to once be saved? In other words, God says you're saved and they're not saved. The answer is no. Once God says someone's saved, they're saved. God's never wrong. So if God declares someone saved, they're saved, okay? You need to know that. And God, who knows everything, he knows the past, present, and future, uh, when he says it, it's because he knows everything about us and everything about time and everything that'll take place. So clearly, if God says someone's saved, they're saved. Uh, And so if you say, well, then does that mean once they're truly saved, they're saved? I would even say yes to that. But what very often is being asked that's not being brought out in that initial question is this. Is it possible for someone to uh, be called a Christian and not really be saved? Uh, is that possible? Uh, and so uh, um, one of the things I'd want you to do, I want you in Hebrews, uh, but I want you to think about the fact that in Revelation, uh, it was interesting. In Revelation, uh, there's a church, the church of Sardis, and it says this uh, to them in Revelation uh, 3, um, verse 1. It says, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. So they had the name, they're Christians, but they were dead. They weren't alive. They had the name that they were alive in Christ, but they weren't. So somebody can be called a Christian and not be saved. Uh, That would be my first point to go to. Uh, The other thing I'm going to go to is this. Is it possible someone could make a commitment to Christ and even have the Holy Spirit and in the end not be saved? In other words, that God would bestow the Holy Spirit upon them knowing, but God knows they're not saved. God knows that they're not going to carry on. God knows they're not going to endure to the end. Uh, By the way, if you want to... Look it up later. Matthew 24, Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. So uh, uh, is that possible? Well, now we're going to Hebrews chapter 3. The letter to the Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians. Now, we could show that over and over and over, but you need to know. They were people who had faith in God. They were people who suffered for Jesus. They were people who had, uh, uh, they had sanctification in Jesus. So Paul, or the writer to Hebrews, we're not sure who the author is. Um, Many people think it's Apollos, by the way. Um, The writer of Hebrews, who was inspired by God to write them a letter, was warning them, now that you are Jewish Christians, because of this persecution coming, don't walk away from Jesus. Do not do that. You started well, continue on. Don't turn away from this confidence that has great reward. So he's writing to Hebrew Christians who are thinking about, uh, out of fear of persecution, uh, giving up on Jesus and going back to being Jews. Because at that time, in that Roman area, that if you were Jewish, you were protected. If you were a Christian, you were persecuted. So Paul says this in Hebrews 6, verse 3. So Hebrews 6, verse 3. If th- in this case, we will do if God permits. He says, for in the case of those who have once been enlightened, so they've been enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been partakers of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at that again. Look at that with me. He said, in the case of those, these people have had this happen. They have been enlightened. They had the light of God come upon them. They've tasted of the heavenly gift and 
been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. So they have the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about that. Paul said they've tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. They've experienced all of that. Verse 6. And then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. He said if they do that and then they turn away, They've fallen away. They had the Holy Spirit. They were enlightened by God. They were partakers of the heavenly gift. Uh, they had experienced the powers of the age to come. They knew how good the word of God was, but then they fell away from that. They, they reached a place, a point, where Paul said, I can't get them back. Or Apollos said, whoever wrote Hebrews said, we can't get them back. We can't get them back. It's impossible to renew them to repentance. Repentance is a choice we can make. Some people can fall away to the place that they'll never repent and come back. They'll keep going in that wrong direction. And we need to know that. By the way, in Romans 8, 9, it says this. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So according to Romans 8, 9, which is written by Paul, when the Holy Spirit comes, you belong to Christ at that moment. But is, is it true that that means that you're saved? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. So these Hebrew Christians were warned, don't get to a place that you won't repent. Now, it's possible to fall away and repent. It's possible to backslide and come back. But God, who knows everything, knows that there's a moment someone can come to where they've had all these good things happen that God has bestowed upon them, and then they turn away and they get to a place they can't come back. That's what Hebrews says. And, and so here it says that. So now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to show you the definition of the gospel. The word gospel means the good news. What is this good news that I'm to preach? What is this good news that we, our church, is to preach? Every teaching pastor, everybody uh, who has uh, 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 either a, a professional ministry or the, a volunteer ministry as a team member. What is the gospel we preach? What's this good news? 1 Corinthians 15. So I hope you're in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. It says, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. So notice this, I'm telling you what the gospel is, and it's what you received, it's how you stand in God. And it goes, verse 2, by which you are saved, by which also you are saved. So this gospel is how we're saved. And then it says this line, chapter two, uh, 15, verse 2 by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Wow. Someone can believe in vain. And he said, I want to tell you, I'm talking to people that you've heard it preached. I'm talking to people you received the message is true. I'm talking to people that's what you're standing in. That's what you're saved by if you hold fast. And notice that term, if. You have a choice to hold fast or not hold fast. And he goes, but it, it's possible you could have believed in vain. And that's what Paul says is the gospel. It, it's what we stand in, what we believe in, what we hold to. But he said this, there are some who they don't do that. There's an if moment there, a choice there, and they're believing in vain. They're believing in vain. So Paul defines the gospel that way. Now let's go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And I want to show you what Paul talks about here. 
So uh, as you turn to Romans 11, Paul is saying this, uh, there is an olive tree and, and the root and the trunk of the olive tree, by the way, is Jesus. And branches are grafted into Jesus, just like uh, Jesus talked about being the vine. Now Paul says he's the tree. And in and, and John uh, 15, uh, you know, he talked about, I'm the vine and you are the branches, he who abides in me, uh, it, how you got to be attached to him. So Paul says there's this olive tree that, that you either attach to or you're not attached to. And then he says the Jewish people were grafted, were, were, were part of that tree, but some were broken off because they have unbelief. They're, in other words, they're not attached anymore. They're broken off because they don't believe anymore. They didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in God. And then it says all of us who are non-Jews, Gentiles, we're grafted in. But how are we grafted in? Get ready. He's going to say in Romans 11 by faith. We're saved by faith, not by works. It's the grace of God that allows our faith to bring about salvation. And then at that point, like in Romans, I told you 9, uh, or Romans 8, verse 9, it says well, you get the Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying, you know, I want you to know that God loves the Jewish people. And Paul said, I love the Jewish people, but not all of them believed. And so they're not a part of us. They're not a part of the church. So now let's go to Romans 11, verse 19. Romans 11 Verse 19, and it says, you will say then branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. So all of us who are not Jewish, we could say that. We could say, you know what? Um, some of the Jewish people were broken off, not because God didn't love them, but that allows me now to be grafted in. That allows me to become a part of the church. Listen to what Paul says. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief but you stand by faith. So I know, don't, don't miss that. Look right what it says. They lost out because of unbelief. You are only allowed to be a part of Jesus because you have faith in Christ. Uh, not by works, but by faith. And then he says, but do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Then it goes this, verse 22. And if you haven't read anything else, look at 22. Behold then, the kindness and the severity of God towards those who fell severity, but to you, God's kindness, if, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be broken off. Did you catch that? God, he says that you and I could be broken off too if we don't continue in his kindness. So we have a choice to do that or not do that. And that's what he wants you to have. And that's what he wants you to cling to and hold to. And, and so Clearly, he said, you know what? You need to know that, that you could be broken off too if you don't continue in his kindness, if you don't continue in his love. And he's saying that to people who stand by faith. I don't want you to miss that. So Romans 11, 19 to 22 talks about people who at least had some kind of a beginning relationship, had the name they're Christian, had, had a, 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 a looks of, a, the look of life, but they didn't continue. And that's very possible. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, I want you to go to now. Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 is what you need to get to. And I'm giving you a lot of scripture because I want you to go by scripture and not human opinion. It says in Colossians 1, 21, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, that's how you were before you were a Christian, yet... He now has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And notice verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith. 
So he said, you used to be alienated, but now you have come into contact with Christ uh, through his death in order to present you holy and blameless and beyond reproach if, verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, uh, uh, the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So Paul said you are saved if you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away. So he said that's what you can hold on to, that you're enduring to the end, that you're clinging to Christ, that you are in his kindness, uh, that we are living uh, uh, this out with him, uh, that we don't uh, um, reach that place where we keep going further and further from Jesus. And, and so, you know, to me, it just can't be clearer that the Lord is telling you and I that, that someone could uh, uh, start out, someone could be blessed by God, someone could experience the power of God and then not be saved. And you'd say, well, then maybe they never were in the first place. Well, I agree with that because if God says you're saved, you're saved. But not everybody who has the name Christian is saved. Not everybody who even has uh, uh, the semblance of fruit in the beginning is saved. Jesus talked about the soil of the heart and said, there's one kind, uh, two kinds of soil where the seed was planted and life came up. One of them, uh, the sun came out and, and it just died away. Uh, another it was the cares of the world choked it out. And, and both of them had fruit for a bit, but they're gone. And Jesus warned, don't be those who have life for a moment and they're gone. Uh, let's go to Revelation chapter 3 again. Revelation chapter 3. And uh, we're going to go to the Laodicean church. Now, don't miss that there's seven churches in the book of Revelations that Jesus talks to. Seven churches he addresses. And uh, what happens is some of them, uh, uh, two of them, are just doing incredible. Uh, there's not one thing he would say to them to discipline them. Uh, but Five need to be course corrected. Five need to be called into account. And then we come to the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3. A church that's his church. And uh, in chapter 3, look at verse 14. Revelation 3 verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the amen, and the one's the one who tells the truth. Amen means the truth. It means for real. It means truly. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The word spit there um, literally means to uh, vomit. I'm not trying to be gross. It's the literal meaning of the word. Uh, a better translation is, I will spew you out. It's not just to throw up, it's to spew forth. Uh, and he says, you know what, because you're lukewarm, you're making me sick. And you are my church, but you're not going to be my church very long. And some of you there, you're not hot for me. In other words, you're not on fire for me. You're not cold. You're not hating me. You're just apathetic. And he said, that makes me sick and I'll spew you out. Uh, so Jesus will do that. Uh, in Revelation, it says he'll erase people's names from the book of life. Jesus will do that. Um, and so you, you and I need to go, that, that's something we need to be aware of. And some of you go, well, wait a minute, that can make me afraid. Remember back to Romans 11? It says, don't be proud, but fear. 
I mean, so yeah, yeah, there is an element of taking this very seriously. Uh, you know, the f- faith in Jesus is your life. We don't live for ourselves. We don't die for ourselves. So yeah, you got to take this seriously. Um, and, and I don't want to hold back on that. You know, that you and I need to be real in our faith, real in our love, willing to do what Jesus said, where he said in Matthew 16, he said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For he who would seek to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We've got to be with Jesus. And uh, I know there's some people who actually believe different than I do, and that's okay. Hopefully we can love each other. But I hear them say things all the time like, well, you know, they prayed a prayer when they were eight years old, therefore God's got to take them. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. There's nowhere. It, it, it ha- it's about having a relationship with Christ as Lord and Savior. Only a person who is in relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior is saved. Um, And if someone at one time seemed to manifest that and go away from that, then my prayer for them is, man, I got to get them back. We beg, we plead with people to do that. Come now and make it real. Um, And we won't give up on them. God knows whether they'll come back or not. God knows whether you will commit your life or not. And if you commit and and go through a hard time, he knows if you'll come back or not. Um, And if you return, he'll take you back. You know, if you'll repent, In other words, you didn't reach a place that's impossible to repent. If you'll repent, which means you'll turn your life back over to him, you can come back. So it's possible that someone could partake of the Holy Spirit. It's possible they could could taste of the goodness of the Word of God. It's possible they could experience the powers of the age to come and turn away, fall away, and reach a place that's impossible to come back. That's, That's possible. The impossible moments possible. And, and, and God, God warns us, don't go there. He was warning the Hebrew Christians through the writer of the Hebrew letter, do not go there. Don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Now, in the midst of that, can you be sure you're saved? That might be the next question to ask. Can you have an assurance of salvation? Because God wants you to. And uh, the answer is yes. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 13 says this. It says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And, and if you want to have an assurance of your salvation, let me give you a little homework assignment that's super fun. So I don't even want to call it homework. A study time with Jesus. First John was written so you could know you're saved. Take the book of First John and every day this week, study a chapter of it. It's five chapters long. And every time it tells you how you can know you're saved, then, then write that down. And write down a list of how we're told we're know we, can, we're, we know we're saved. And so I, I want you to do that. Uh, matter of fact, if you've never done that before, it's a great thing to do. It's a great way to study First John. And, uh, so it, it, and you're going to find out. I'll go ahead and give you one of them. It says, he who practices righteousness knows he's saved. He who practices unrighteousness doesn't. Uh, so, you know, one way I know I'm saved is I want to practice righteousness. By the way, let me even say this because it's important. Practice doesn't mean perfect. Like if you're in sports and you're practicing basketball and you miss a shot, they don't throw you off the team in practice. They don't even throw you off the team in the game for missing a shot, typically. Um, but, but you know what? When you go out to practice, you are going to have some things not go right. 
And sometimes your righteousness won't go right, but it's what you practice, what you seek to do, the right way of living, the right attitudes and right words. And so a person can know they're saved because they go, man, something inside me keeps wanting to practice that. And and so we would do that and and have that as who we are. Um, But what we need to know is the fact we live out the righteousness is a way we know we're saved and have assurance. Um, I am going to have you turn to 1 John, though. Let me do this as we kind of get ready to sum up. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Go ahead and get there. And, and while you're getting there, I, I just want to really kind of bring this home in a powerful way. Uh, and, and so I want you to see what it says about what is the message that, that John said, I heard from Jesus. What is the message I heard from John? I heard Jesus say, what would be that? Do you even know? Do you know what the message is? He preached over and over and over. So John said, it's etched in my mind. It's, it's branded in my heart. Uh, I can hear him. He even says, I hear his voice ringing in my ears saying it. And let's look what it is. First John chapter one, verse five. This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus and announced to you that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we're Christians and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So if I say I'm a Christian and I walk in darkness, John says, Jesus would tell you you're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. By the way, I don't want to lie for others. Uh, sometimes, you know, someone will say to me, well, you know, I, I know right now they're not living right, but they, you know, they got baptized at one point. Well, you know, people go in the water all the time. That doesn't make them saved, even though baptism is important. People go to church all the time, doesn't make them saved. Uh, you could say, I believe in God. You know what it says in James? It says the devil believes in God, but he shudders. In other words, when he says there's a God, he shakes. He doesn't just go, I believe in God and walk in darkness. So the thing I want to tell you is Jesus's message was this, the message. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. We lie. And the truth is not in us. But if we will walk in the light, if we will be in his light, if we'll be in fellowship with him and his love, then guess what? We have fellowship with other Christians, real relationships, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's the message of the Bible, the message Jesus wanted us to have and cling to and hope to. So I've shared with you the gospel. I've shared with you the message, and I hope you hold to that. So let me just do this right now. Uh, I want to ask you, where are you at with Jesus? Wherever you are, maybe you're sitting behind a computer, maybe you're watching this on a TV screen with alone or with family or friends, maybe with your wife or kids. Where are you right now with Jesus? Do you know you have a relationship with him? Or do you say you have, but you're walking in darkness? There's dark things in your heart, dark things in your mind. There's, there's really unhealthy ways you're living. Do you know what Jesus would say to you? Repent. Matter of fact, uh, I'll be sharing this soon. One of the things that's said about Jesus is he began to go everywhere saying, repent, the kingdom of God is near. The word repent means to turn around. It means to do an about face. It means to commit your life to him and not live for self anymore. When someone repents, they start living by not my will, but your will be done. Are you living that way in honesty? 
Really do a gut check. Because you could say you believe, but do you believe? Do you really love him? Are you committed to him no matter what? If there's anything in your life Jesus would want changed, would you tell him, I want to change it? Help me change it. Is everything about who you are, everything you have, belong to him? And the one question you always ask is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because apart from you, I can do nothing. Is that true of you? If it's not, you need to make a commitment to him. The Bible says, interestingly, in Romans 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So it says it begins. It begins by saying it and meaning it. You're my Lord. I'm going to repent and make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to commit myself completely to you and and mean it. So if you've never done that, I would love for you right now to do that. And uh, I want to ask you to repent of your sins. Repent and turn away from darkness. Come and be with Jesus. Maybe you never have done that before. Pray this prayer with me. Uh, maybe uh, you're, a, you're someone who you did. You made a, a commitment to Christ. Matter of fact, you could look back and say, I did have all that. I partook of the powers of the age to come. I, I knew the spirit was moving, but not anymore. Well, then what do you do? Repent and come back. Repent and come back. Pray this prayer. I'm going to lead a prayer and I'm going to ask you, if you need to pray it for the first time, pray it with me. And you're going to say, I, I want to be, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm repenting. I'm, I'm committing myself to him. I'm going to live for him. I die for him because I don't live for myself anymore. If you need to pray that, I want you to pray it with me. If you've one time were with the Lord, I want you to pray it to recommit. Uh, if you are a couple, you're married, and, and you know your marriage doesn't honor Christ the way it should, you're not feeling the love of Jesus going on, happening, pray this prayer with me. So I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask you to pray it and mean it. Uh, And here's how we're going to help make it meaningful. I want you to grab your phone right now. And and what I want you to do is open up the message section of your phone. And what I I want you to go to the messages. And I want you to text, if you're going to pray this prayer with me, either for the first time or to recommit or to find freedom from something or healing from something, then I'm going to ask you to text, amen. Remember, Jesus says the amen, the truth, what's for real, I want you to text AMEN to 69922. Right now, I want you to go ahead and do that. If, if you are ready to pray this prayer and mean it, I mean, really mean it, do something meaningful, text AMEN to 69922. And by the way, we're going to get back to you because we care about you and, and we want to help you and join you in the journey and, and, and help you go forward. But it's interesting that Jesus to one of those churches that was messing up and he warned them, you got to get it right. It was to a church, he said, to Christians, he said, in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would open up to me, I would come in and dine with him. And the word dine is the word for the evening meal. I would come in and start to have fellowship with you and share life with you and and be with you. And Jesus said, I want it to be real, but I'm going to knock. Are you going to open the door? I'm going to knock. Are you going to open the door? And so Jesus right now might be knocking on some of you and you open the door by saying, come in, by praying this prayer with me and texting amen to 69922. Uh, And so I really want you to do that right now. So grab your phones and get ready. Uh, Go ahead and text that amen to 69922. But while you're doing that, let me pray for you. And I'm going to ask everybody out there who loves the Lord, pray for people to say yes to Jesus. Pray for people to do this amazing thing called repent, which means I can change. You can change. 
And right now, I think some of you need it. Some of you really need it. I think there's a person right now, you're really, there's something inside you that's scared because you're not sure if you're a Christian. And you know, that's not how I want you to be and certainly not how Jesus wants you to be. He wants you to know it's real. So pray this prayer and let's let it be real. I think right now there's more than one person. If we got real honest, you know, you're not hot for the Lord. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. One minute you say you're a Christian, the next minute you're doing things that are anything but. Let's let that change and let us help you change. Pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer in text with me so we can know that um, it's real. So let me pray for you first. Father, I want to pray right now for anybody who needs to open their heart to you. Make a very real commitment of their life to you. I pray they can sense your presence and know your love. I pray they won't won't turn away from what they need to do. I pray for a person right now who's out there and, and they are afraid. I pray for that person who's filled with that fear and it's time to let let it go and 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 not and and know your love. Know it's so real, experience in such a wonderful way that they never question that you love them, Lord. Because right now they're not even sure they love themselves. So I pray they're gonna pray this prayer and make this commitment. I pray for them right now. I pray for somebody who they used to be so on fire for you. And uh, they know, they, they deep down know that on their own, they know they're lukewarm. If the, this is the time it changes. Oh, it can change in such a cool way. I pray for someone who this past uh, month has been falling away. And it's time to recommit and come back. And uh, it, it's the moment. So I pray they will. So I pray for anybody who needs to pray this prayer for the very first time, anybody who needs to recommit. God, I pray right now they can just sense your love. Just sense your love. And they're gonna pray. And, and, and Lord, the text matters because they're doing something. They're confessing you. Right now, I'm gonna pray that prayer and I'd love for you to pray it with me. Oh, you matter to God. Oh, you matter to God. He loves you. And uh, even though I, it's true you, you and I have sinned, When he says repent, it's because he means I love you. So come back and let it be gone. Let it be washed away. Let it not be who you are anymore. So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me for the first time or to recommit or to find freedom from something or to find healing. Uh, Just pray this prayer right now. Say these words. Let's just pray it. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. And I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that would hold me back or hold me down. And most of all right now, I pray that you'd make me alive, you'd make me yours, and you'd make me brand new. So I say yes. And just say, if you haven't said anything else, say, I say yes. I say yes. I say yes to you and I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And if you haven't done so, well, some people have. Praise God for those of you who have let us know and texted in. But right now, do that. Text in, amen, to 69922 so we can celebrate with you, get uh, a lot of good tools in your hand to help you grow in the Lord. And we would love to have that be something you get to experience. Uh, before we go, though, I, I want to tell you something. With you. I'm really hoping you hung into here. We have been doing this incredible thing we love doing called Boldly Blessed. And Boldly Blessed is where we ask everybody to give one dollar more than you would normally give. We believe you're doing that. And so we have a way of calculating it. And then we take that and we bless somebody and change someone's life. Uh, last week, we did that for three single moms. Uh, we did it for a, a, a young a child one time that has a disability and no way to get around. And we bought them this incredible uh, motorized uh, 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 kind of tricycle. They call it a tricycle, but it's not. Uh, it's cool. And so then now they have freedom. But, but this one was one that came up and it's just as special. And for a lot of old time Crossroads people uh, like me, it's going to get really special. Um, Barry McMurtry, who is a friend of mine, uh, it was the senior pastor of Crossroads before me. Uh, and I love Barry, respect Barry, learned a lot from Barry. And when he retired and left here and went to Australia, his home, he's from Australia, God called me to come. And, and I've, I've been blessed in so many ways by the heritage that, that Barry left. But Barry, uh, his wife Gay, had Alzheimer's and he did everything he could to care for her. Um, trying maybe even heroic things to, to carry her through. And, and that, that, you know, all of his income was gone by the time that happened. And then now his health is failing. He's 78, he's on 13 medications, his balance isn't good. He's had more than one stroke. And uh, you know what is we, we support Barry financially. But we uh, found out that another group, the Carolist group, was putting out word that if a certain amount of money would come in for Barry to take care of him, that they would double that amount of money. And we were like, whoa, that would be something to do so Barry would know the Crossroads family loves him. We've not forgotten him. And even though we do on a regular basis make sure he's taken care of, we want to bless him. And, and this is a way to bless in a huge way. So Crossroads, we did it. We did it. This is the boldly blessed this week to give this man who gave so much to us the message he'll never forget and carry into eternity that we love him, we're for him, and we want to invest in a way that multiplied quickly in his life. And so we got to do that. So I don't know about you. I'm cheering. Uh, thank you, Boldly Go team, for deciding to do that. Uh, I love that you guys did. And thank you, church, for being a part of that. And we're going to be doing Boldly Bless uh, uh, for the next few weeks for sure. So anyway, uh, right now we're going to throw it back to Casey. God bless you guys. Well, congratulations to all of you who have made a decision to follow Jesus today or to be baptized. And if you did text us, be sure to reply with your name so we can send you a special gift. I also want to invite you to gather your friends and family to be part of our family by joining us right here online again next week. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on new messages. If you found yourself thinking, I wish so-and-so was watching this right now, then hit that share button and send it to them so they can be encouraged. And finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads, and if you want to be part of making that same impact all over the world, you can text GIVING to 69922 to make a financial gift today. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you again next week.